Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we are arriving very quickly at Reformation Day, which is this Saturday. It's actually Reformation Day that gave birth to our friendship and the radio program, really, didn't it? Kind of, sort of? It is. It did. Yeah, I'm think I'm remembering rightly. I'm not that old. I'm not as old as you. <laughs> Sorry, I have to insult you at the yeah, very beginning of yeah, the show. Yeah, so we here get we go. We're, we're out of the gates <laughs> extremely well. Um, no, it was back in nine or 2017 <laughs> that we were getting ready to celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Josh had approached a series of churches and and said, "Hey, we should get together and and not." just do this as individual churches. We should make a big deal about this and gather as a group of churches, which we did. Um, And that was the beginning of the Reformation Boise Conference. Um, It was the birthplace of the Reformation Alliance, this group of of pastors that believe in continuing to promote the the great themes and principles of the, the Reformation. And it also was where this group came from. Um, so back in the day, 94.1, The Voice said, hey, would you guys mind coming in and just recording some shows mm-hmm. so that we can highlight the conference? And so we Biggest mistake they ever made. They, they have been regretting that <laughs> moment ever since. Um, and so then we recorded these shows, and then they came back and said, we think maybe you guys should think about doing this on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And then that was the result of, of this group. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should mention something about the Reformation Conference. Normally we have a conference every year. This year, um, because of, I, there's just some weird stuff. I heard there's some weird stuff going on in culture right now. I haven't heard. I don't really I've watch the, the name news that much. COVID, but I don't even really fully know, understand what it is. Or who it is. Yes. <laughs> but apparently this individual... <laughs> It's wreaking havoc. Is, yeah, somewhere, and um, so we were uncertain about such a large gathering um, because we were planning on this one breaking records. Um, <laughs> and one of our speakers is, I think, just around seventy years old, and his wife specifically has some health concerns that um, he was uncomfortable traveling. And so they graciously, both of our speakers graciously said will be willing to come next year and speak on the same for 2021 theme and speak on the theme of worship and we were so excited to have them and we want to have that topic talked about so we just thought for all parties involved even though it makes us terribly sad and crabby yes um, we did um can't call off the conference for this year only right and then god willing that's yes, why we say god willing god with willing. our speech and so then next year hopefully we'll be able to gather again in 2021 and and hopefully. break records next year that's right that's yeah. right so 
we are going to do some more Reformation themes leading up to Reformation Day. We've covered the view of the church, the view of Scripture, the view of salvation, uh, the importance of church history. So today we're asking the question. We needed to start today because we were negligent. Oh, yes. Yesterday's we want to give one more resource. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you're fine. So Sinclair Ferguson published oh, – well, he didn't publish it, but he wrote a book, standalone book called – in the year of our Lord. See, this is why you should have done it. It's called In the Year of Our Lord, and he covers in pretty short order 20 centuries of church history. So if you want a standalone volume, very accessible, where you he touches on the highlights of everything that happened, so it's one century at a time, uh, great One book. century a chapter, so basically a 20-chapter book that walks you through the major moments, people, events, controversies of each of the centuries. Sinclair Ferguson, In the Name of in the year of our Lord. <laughs> I know. If any of you get that title right. <laughs> You'll be surprised. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> okay, so today we're asking the question, um, does the Reformation still matter? Because, and, and the reason why that's a relevant question is because there have been um, church historians on kind of both sides, uh, either Roman Catholic or Protestant, that say, hey, you know what, this really isn't that big of a deal anymore. We can quit st- talking about the Reformation. Um, the Reformation's over. The Reformation's over. This is something that happened 500 years ago. We don't need to keep on talking about it. We don't need to keep on pressing these things. Can't we all kind of, Rodney King, can't we all just get along? So... <laughs> Let's gather around the fire, sing Kumbaya. <laughs> That's right. And move on. Which we would love to. Yep. Um, because that would mean that that uh, many of our Roman Catholic friends would would uh, recant some of those doctrines in the past that have, that have been detrimental to people's souls. I mean, one of which, just Council of Trent, we mentioned the other day. If anyone believes, this is one of the tenets or canons of the, the, the Council of Trent, that if anyone believes that they're justified by faith alone— let him be anathema. We would love for our Roman Catholic friends to say that was false. That's not true, but they have it. So, the Council of Trent was the Catholic response to the Protestant challenge, and unfortunately, at the Council of Trent, even though that there were Protestants there representing the Protestant views, and there seemed like there was the possibility of movement. Um, on some of these theological truths, um, in the end, the Catholics in, um, did not budge on any of the theological principles. I, I just think it's important that people know that that, that this was not um, – there was conversation going on. There were Protestant delegates. That This was a, a point um, where there was, at, at least in moments, some hope that some of these – what I would – to say our errors were going to be addressed. Well, in the end, they weren't. And so the Catholic Church very strongly maintained um, beliefs that we believe are contrary to, especially in regard to the gospel, of how sinners are made right with God. Mm-hmm. Well, the That's counts- the key question. Let's, uh, let's stop there just for a second. That's the key question. How is a sinner made right with God? Theologically, we talk about it as justification. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we just don't we don't agree, right? I mean, there's that's the simple way to say it, and that's really the most important question experientially that a person can answer in their life. Mm-hmm. If you're on your deathbed, you want to know the answer to that question. When I die, when I close my eyes for the last time on planet Earth, will God count me as righteous in His sight? It's not a small thing, and unfortunately, 
the the Roman Catholic Church has not changed from their beliefs on the Council of Trent till today. Um, so on the key questions of debate between Protestants and Catholics with regard to salvation, the major positions of both camps have not moved. So we can't say that the Reformation is over if both sides are still maintaining the same positions that they maintained 500-plus years ago. Mm -hmm. And so it matters because I would say the gospel matters. Mm -hmm. And it matters in our own Protestant churches, so let's set Rome aside for a moment. We are bent towards performance. We are bent towards works. We are bent towards self-justification. We are bent towards these things. And we constantly, I mean, how much of the New Testament, brother, you, you preach fairly regularly. How much of the New Testament talks about these things that we've been talking about? I mean, is it just a little corner of the New Testament? No, what, what you have is, I mean, you, in the Apostle Paul, you have someone that really had embraced Roman Catholicism before Rome. Where he believed, I mean, this is, especially comes out in, in the book of Philippians, that he could earn his own salvation, that he had merited God's favor. And especially in Philippians 3, he comes to the realization, everything that I thought was merit, everything that I thought was in my, um, if you're doing a, 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 an accounting spreadsheet and you're talking about assets and liabilities, Everything that he thought were assets that were making him right with God, he came to the realization of, oh, actually all of those not only didn't help me, all of those are actually liabilities. And really he's wrestling with, okay, where am I, can I find salvation in myself? And he realizes, no, I can't. I can only find it in Christ. And then what he does is he spends a lot of time writing to people who – were like him. Um, we call them Judaizers, but people that thought you needed to add circumcision or you needed to add your good works or you needed to add something else in order to have salvation. And quite honestly, this is where we are in the church today. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and the reality is it, it will leave you empty. It yes. will leave you dissatisfied. It will leave you without any true hope and security and assurance. And I think this is where the, the disconnect for many of our Protestant brothers and sisters is, is that, okay, I believed in Jesus at the beginning. Now what do I do to continue to live as a Christian? And the, the Bible is actually really clear on this. The difficulty is on our part. So in Colossians chapter 2, Verse six says, therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ, the Lord, so that's initial salvation, so walk in him, rooted and build up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. The, the, the Protestant view of, of our salvation is not, okay, I believed in Jesus, now I put him aside. Now, the Protestant view is, I believed in Jesus, I was justified, I've made righteous in his sight, and now I continue to walk in Jesus, in my life. I continue to trust in his promises. In fact, Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, that's the question that Paul really asks in Galatians. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Are you saved by what you did 
And the obvious answer is, well, of course not. And then he says, or by hearing with faith. Mm-hmm. And the implication is, it was by faith alone. Mm-hmm. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Mm-hmm. And and that really is the ultimate question of not just the Reformation, but the ultimate question to each of us as individuals. Mm-hmm. If I was saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, am I now going to turn to myself for my salvation? That now I'm going to earn it? That now I have to keep it? That it's all going to depend on my effort? And I don't know how else to say, please don't do that. Yeah. Because it doesn't, you can't do it. You couldn't earn it, and you can't keep it. Mm-hmm. It was earned by the perfect work of Jesus Christ on behalf of his people, and it's sustained and maintained by Christ. Um, what I would suggest is that you need to continue to be united to him, in union with him, mm-hmm. and continue to live out of all of his blessings and benefits. And part of the way you do that is it's just, I mean, it's actually kind of simple, meditate and live off of his promises. Just like you live off of food that you eat. Like you've mentioned family devotions a number of times on here. You don't do family devotions because God somehow benefits in his essence, like you're adding to the the identity of God. No, you come to the Lord with your family because you want to live off of him. And I want to remind them of the grace of Christ. Yes, the grace of God in and through Christ. And, and so it's when we access those promises of the gospel, that's what it means to live off of Christ, to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how you connect theology to everyday life. It's meant to be lived out. It's not just to be meant to be stored up in our minds. And, and to me, it's the word that can saturate us with God's grace that it reminds us of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen. We've well, been listening to Gospel for Life. We hope to see you next time. 